Hello, you're listening to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. So this week, will you join me in the dining room? Last week, we were in the washroom, and the week before that, we were in the war room. And all these studies at the moment are considering the upper room and the final hours of the Lord Jesus, which he spent in that upper room with his disciples before he endured death on the cross. Brian's called this series No Room for Doubt, and today, as I said, we consider the upper room as the dining room. But first, Brian will link our study to an event which happened earlier this year. Here's Brian. Thanks, John. In 2023, Passover began at nightfall on April 5 and ended on April 13. This Jewish holiday is centred on the retelling of the biblical story of the Jewish people being freed from slavery in Egypt at the time of Moses. Today, every Jewish family has its own Passover rituals, which may reflect family tradition or the denomination of Judaism. In our look into what happened in the upper room in Jerusalem, we now come to what Jesus did with the Passover meal that the occasion was designed to celebrate. As we'll discover, This would become very special, a pivotal moment in Judeo-Christian development. One well-known and detailed study of the Last Supper lists no fewer than 14 distinct parallels between the Last Supper tradition and the Passover Seder, as it's called. We'll only pause to note a couple. But first, that name Seder may not be familiar to all of us. It was after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem that the Seder got its name and evolved into its current form. Seder is Aramaic for order, and it's used to describe the Passover meal. Jews living in Israel under Roman occupation 2,000 years ago incorporated into the Seder, that is the traditional Jewish Passover observance, not only the various biblical commandments, but also many elements from a contemporary Greek and Roman upper-class banquet. So what was it like? The banquet included reclining on couches, accompanied by ritual hand-washing, and the taking of various cups of wine in sequence. Then came a sumptuous meal and a series of questions as a starting point for discussion. Scholars note that the evening always began with a series of small starter foods for dipping into wine vinegar or other liquids, these being to stimulate the appetite before the main meal. And concerning that main meal, on Passover Seder tables today, you may see a partitioned plate containing small amounts of specific food. On it, a roasted shank bone represents a sacrificial Passover lamb, and bitter herbs represent the bitterness of past slavery in Egypt. There's also an apple sauce-like mixture with wine, nuts and apples. Also placed on the table are three pieces of a cracker-like unleavened bread to represent the bread the Israelites took with them when they left Egypt. At your seat, you may see a glass of wine. Custom required that at least four symbolic cups of wine be consumed during the Passover Seder. Some of these modern-day elements, as mentioned, resemble, in part at least, the Passover commanded by God in the Bible for Old Testament Jews. 
and it's possible that some items, such as the four cups of wine, were part of a custom extending back to the time of our Lord. I say that because I understand they called one of the cups, the third one I believe, the cup of blessing. And that ties in with what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. He says, Is the cup of blessing which we bless not a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is the bread which we break not a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. Paul was, of course, describing there the Lord's Supper, or what many believers might term today as Holy Communion. That term is certainly not inappropriate, as here we're told that the bread is a communion of the body of Christ. The bread of the Lord's table is never more than bread, although in religious tradition some have introduced the serious error that during the ceremony it becomes transformed into the actual body of Christ. The symbolic bread and wine may better and biblically be understood in the words some Christians sing today as they observe this ordinance. And those words are, Only bread and only wine, yet to faith the solemn sign of the heavenly and divine Jesus our Lord. John, in his Gospel, doesn't give a description of what Jesus did with bread and wine that night. But Matthew fills in for us. He says, Now while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which has been poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Matthew 26 from verse 26. This part of the proceedings in the upper room that night was intended to be of enduring significance for Christian worship age long. What the Lord demonstrated and taught his apostles that night became a key part of the apostles' teaching. Later, Paul could say, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. This is what the early churches of the first century Christian community did on the first day of every week. Every week. The first day of the week became the day for gathering to break bread, as our Lord had initiated back in the upper room, just hours before being led away to die for us. He knew how forgetful we are by nature and wanted us to be very often reminded of his sacrifice for us. This remembrance is what's designed to stimulate our worshipful thanksgivings every week. This is so intentionally set out in our Bibles that it must surely be a great disappointment to our Lord 
and God if it should be relegated or demoted, far less replaced by other things that may pass for Christian worship today. We began by thinking of how the upper room setting for what would become the Christian observance of weekly communion in bread and wine at the Lord's table was the Jewish Passover. And we'd briefly sketched how this Passover, or Seder meal, had been and has come to be observed since the time described in the book of Exodus. We mentioned how there certainly came to be multiple cups of wine, and see from Paul how one of those likely served as the cup that Christ gave a fresh and profound new significance to. But remember, we also said that scholars note that the evening always began with a series of small starter foods for dipping into wine vinegar or other liquids, these being to stimulate your appetite before the main meal. We find such a thing as this also taking place in the meal the Lord shared with his disciples in that upper room. John tells us, When Jesus had said these things, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another, at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. Lying back on Jesus' chest was one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter nodded to this disciple and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He then simply leaned back on Jesus' chest and said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, That man is the one for whom I shall dip the piece of bread and give it to him. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After this, Satan then entered him. So after receiving the piece of bread, he left immediately, and it was night. That's John 13, verses 21 to 30. So there we have mention of dipping the bread. This, of course, was part of the Passover ritual. The Lord used it as a sign to indicate who was going to betray him. And after receiving the bread, Judas left. And with great literary effect, John says, it was night. It was literally night. But doubtless, the remark was intended to also symbolise the darkness of what was afoot. The hour and power of darkness was approaching. In our studies, next time, we'll find ourselves no longer in the dining room, but in the waiting room.
I remind you again that there's a book of all the talks in this series. You can obtain a copy by downloading it at churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Another way to get it is by writing to us to ask for a hard copy book to be posted to you. Just ask for the book title, No Room for Doubt, and be sure to tell us your postal address. You can use email or the post, and first, here's our postal address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Laxlands, Royal Wooden Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So thanks once more for the privilege of your company once again, and I hope you'll be able to join me again next time when, as Brian said, we'll be visiting the waiting room. But now I must say goodbye and leave you with very best wishes from Barbara Teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers, and me, John. So mind how you go, and we wish you God's richest blessings. Hear my joy, sing.